Part 2, Chapter 4 of A Popular History of Astronomy During the 19th Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Popular History of Astronomy During the 19th Century by Agnes Mary Clark. Part 2, Chapter 4 Solar Spectroscopy. Part 1. The new way struck out by Janssen and Lockyer was at once and eagerly followed. In every part of Europe, as well as in North America, observers devoted themselves to the daily study of the chromosphere and prominences. Foremost among these were Lockyer in England, Zollner at Leipzig, Sporer at Anclam, Young at Hanover, New Hampshire, Secchi and Respighi at Rome. There were many others, but these names stood out conspicuously. The first point to be cleared up was that of chemical composition. Leisurely measurements verified the presence above the sun's surface of hydrogen and prodigious volumes, but showed that sodium had nothing to do with the orange-yellow ray identified with it in the haste of the eclipse. From its vicinity to the deep air, than which it is slightly more refrangible, the prominence line was, however, designated D3, and the unknown substance emitting it was named by Lockyer helium. Its terrestrial discovery ensued after 26 years. In March 1895, Professor Ramsey obtained from the rare mineral clevite a volatile gas, the spectrum of which was found to include the yellow prominence ray. Helium was actually at hand and available for examination. The identification cleared up many obscurities in the chromospheric chemistry. Several bright lines, persistently seen at the edge of the sun, and early suspected by Young, to emanate from the same source as D3, were now derived from helium in the laboratory, and all the complex emissions of that exotic substance ranged themselves into six sets or series, the members of which are mutually connected by numerical relations of a definite and simple kind. Helium is of rather more than twice the density of hydrogen and has no chemical affinities. In almost evanescent quantities, it lurks in the Earth's crust and is diffused through the Earth's atmosphere. The importance of the part played in the prominent spectrum by the violet line of calcium was noted by Professor Young in 1872, but since H and K lie near the limit of the visible spectrum, photography was needed for a thorough investigation of their appearances. Aided by its resources, Professor George E. Hale, then at the beginning of his career, detected in 1889 their unfailing and conspicuous presence. The substance emitting them not only constitutes a fundamental ingredient of the chromosphere, but rises in the fantastic jets thence issuing to greater heights than hydrogen itself. The isolation of H and K in the solar prominences from any other of the lines usually distinctive of calcium was experimentally proved by Sir William and Lady Huggins in 1897 to be due to the extreme tenuity of the emitting vapor. Hydrogen, helium, and calcium form, then, the chief and unvarying materials of the solar sierra and its peaks, but a number of metallic elements make their appearance spasmodically, under the influence of disturbances in the layers beneath. In September 1871, Young drew up, at Dartmouth College, a list of 103 lines significant of injections 
into the chromosphere of iron titanium chromium magnesium and many other substances during two months observation in the pure air of mount sherman eight thousand three hundred and thirty five feet high in the summer of eighteen seventy two these tell-tale lines mounted up to two hundred and seventy three and he believes their number might still be doubled by steady watching indeed both young and lockyer have more than once seen the whole field of the spectroscope momentarily inundated with bright rays as if the reversing layer had been suddenly thrust upwards in the chromosphere and as quickly allowed to drop back again the opinion would thus appear to be well grounded that the two form one continuous region of which the lower parts are habitually occupied by the heaviest vapors but where orderly arrangement is continually overturned by violent eruptive disturbances the study of the forms of prominences practically began with huggins observation of one through an open slit february thirteenth eighteen sixty nine at first it had been thought possible to examine them only in sections that is by admitting mere narrow strips or lines of their various kinds of light while the actual shape of the objects emitting those lines had been arrived at by such imperfect devices as that of giving to the slit of the spectroscope a vibratory moment rapid enough to enable the eye to retain the impression of one part while others were successively presented to it it was an immense gain to find that their rays had strength to bear so much of dilution with ordinary light as was involved in opening the spectroscopic shutter wide enough to exhibit the tree-like or horn-like or flame-shaped bodies rising over the sun's rim in their undivided proportions several diversely colored images of them are formed in the spectroscope each may be seen under a crimson a yellow a green and a deep blue aspect the crimson however built up out of the sea line of hydrogen is the most intense and is commonly used for purposes of observation and illustration friedrich zollner was by a few days beforehand with huggins in describing the open slit method but was somewhat less prompt in applying it his first survey of a complete prominence pictured in and not simply intersected by the slit of his spectroscope was obtained july first eighteen sixty nine shortly afterwards the plan was successfully adopted by the whole band of investigators a difference in kind was very soon perceived to separate these objects into two well-marked classes its natural and obvious character was shown by its having struck several observers independently the distinction of cloud prominences from flame prominences was announced by lockyer april twenty seventh by zollner june second and by respighi december fourth eighteen seventy the first description are tranquil and relatively permanent sometimes enduring without striking change for many days certain of the included species mimic terrestrial cloud scenery now appearing like fleecy cirrus transpenetrated with the red glow of sunset now like prodigious masses of cumulostratus hanging heavily above the horizon the solar clouds however have the peculiarity of possessing stems slender columns can ordinarily be seen to connect the surface of the chromosphere with its outlying portions hence the fantastic likeness to forest scenery presented by the long ranges of fiery trunks and foliage occasionally seeming to fringe the sun's limb 
but while this mode of structure suggests an actual outpouring of incandescent material certain facts require a different interpretation at a distance and quite apart from the chromosphere prominences have been perceived by both secchi and young to form just as clouds form in a clear sky condensation being replaced by ignition filaments were then thrown out downward towards the chromosphere and finally the usual appearance of a stem prominence was assumed still more remarkable was an observation made by trouvelot at harvard college observatory june twenty sixth eighteen seventy four a gigantic comma-shaped prominence eighty two thousand miles high vanished from before his eyes by a withdrawal of light as sudden as the passage of a flash of lightning the same observer has frequently witnessed a gradual illumination or gradual extinction of such objects testifying to changes in the thermal or electrical condition of matter already in situ the first photograph of a prominence as shown by the spectroscope in daylight was taken by professor young in eighteen seventy but neither his method nor that described by dr braun in eighteen seventy two had any practical success this was reserved to reward the efforts toward the same end of professor hale begun at harvard college in eighteen eighty nine they were prosecuted soon afterwards at the kenworth observatory chicago the great difficulty was to extricate the colored image of the gaseous structure spectroscopically visible at the sun's limb from the encompassing glare a very little of which goes a long way in fogging sensitive plates to counteract its mischievous effects a second slit besides the usual narrow one in front of the collimator was placed on guard as it were behind the dispersing apparatus so as to shut out from the sensitized surface all light save that of the required quality the sun's image being allowed to drift across the outer slit while the plate holder was kept moving at the same rate the successive sectional impressions thus rapidly obtained finally built up a complete picture of the prominence another expedient was soon afterwards contrived the h and k rays of calcium are always as we have seen bright in the spectrum of prominences they are besides fine and sharp while the corresponding absorption lines in the ordinary solar spectrum are wide and diffuse hence prominences formed by the spectroscope out of these particular qualities of violet light can be photographed entire and at once for the simple reason that they are projected upon a naturally darkened background atmospheric glare is abolished by local absorption this beautiful method was first realized by professor hale in june eighteen ninety one a spectroheliograph consisting of a spectroscopic and photographic apparatus of special type attached to the eye end of an equatorial twelve inches in aperture was erected at kenwood in march eighteen ninety one and with its aid professor hale entered upon original researches of high promise for the advancement of solar physics noteworthy above all is his achievement of photographing both prominences and fuculae on the very surface of the sun the latter had until then been very imperfectly observed they were only visible in fact when relieved by their brilliance against the dusky edge of the solar disk their convenient emission of calcium light however makes it possible to photograph them in all positions and emphasizes their close relationship to prominences 
the simultaneous picturing moreover of the entire chromospheric ring with whatever trees or fountains of fire chance to be at the moment issuing from it has been accomplished by a very simple device the disk of the sun itself having been screened with a circular metallic diaphragm it is only necessary to cause the slit to traverse the virtually eclipsed luminary in order to get an impression of the whole round of its fringing appendages and the record can be extended to the disc by removing the screen and carrying the slit back at a quicker rate when an image of the sun's surface with the faculae and spots is formed on the plate exactly within the image of the chromosphere formed during the first exposure the whole operation professor hale continues is completed in less than a minute and the resulting photographs give the first true pictures of the sun showing all the various phenomena at its surface most of these novel researches were by a remarkable coincidence pursued independently and contemporaneously by m de Londres of the paris observatory the ultraviolet prominence spectrum was photographed for the first time from an uneclipsed sun in june eighteen ninety one at chicago besides h and k four members of the huggins series of hydrogen lines imprinted themselves on the plate meanwhile m de Londres was enabled by fitting quartz lenses to his spectroscope and substituting a reflecting for a refracting telescope to get rid of the obstructive action of glass upon the shorter light waves and thus to widen the scope of his inquiry into the peculiarities of those derived from prominences as the result not only all the nine white star lines were photographed from a brilliant sun flame but five additional ones were found to continue the series upward the wavelengths of these last had moreover been calculated beforehand with singular exactness from a simple formula known as balmer's law the new lines accordingly filled places in a manner already prepared for them and were thus unmistakably associated with the hydrogen spectrum this is now known to be represented in prominences by twenty-seven lines forming a kind of harmonic progression only four of which are visibly darkened in the fraunhofer spectrum of the sun the chemistry of cloud prominences is simple hydrogen helium and calcium are their chief constituents flame prominences on the other hand show in addition the characteristic rays of a number of metals among which iron titanium barium strontium sodium and magnesium are conspicuous they are intensely brilliant sharply defined in their varying forms of jets spikes fountains water spouts of rapid formation and speedy dissolution seldom attaining to the vast dimensions of the more tranquil kind eruptive or explosive by origin they occur in close connection with spots whether casually the materials ejected as flames settling and cooling down as dark depressed patches of increased absorption or consequently as a reactive effect of falls of solidified substances from great heights in the solar atmosphere the two classes of phenomena at any rate stand in a most intimate relation they obey the same law of periodicity and are confined to the same portions of the sun's surface while quiescent prominences may be found right up to the poles and close to the equator the general distribution of prominences including both genera follows that of faculae much more closely than that of spots 
from father secchi's and professor respighi's observations eighteen sixty nine to seventy one were derived the first clear ideas on the subject which had been supplemented and modified by the later researches of professors tacchini and rico at rome and palermo the results are somewhat complicated but may be stated broadly as follows the district of greatest prominence frequency covers and overlaps by several degrees that of the greatest spot frequency that is to say it extends to about forty degrees north and south of the equator there is a visible tendency to a second pair of maxima nearer the poles the poles themselves as well as the equator are regions of minimum occurrence distribution in time is governed by the spot cycle but the maximum lasts longer for prominences than for spots the structure of the chromosphere was investigated in eighteen sixty nine and subsequent years by professor respighi director of the capitoline observatory as well as by sporer and bredekine of the moscow observatory they found this supposed solar envelope to be of the same eruptive nature as the vast protrusions from it and to be made up of a congeries of minute flames set close together like blades of grass the appearance professor young writes which probably indicates a fact is as if countless jets of heated gas were issuing through vents and spiracles over the whole surface thus clothing it with flame which heaves and tosses like the blaze of a conflagration the summits of these filaments of fire are commonly inclined as if by a wind sweeping over them when the sun's activity is near its height but erect during his phase of tranquillity sporer in eighteen seventy one inferred the influence of permanent polar currents but tacchini showed in eighteen seventy six that the deflections upon which this inference was based ceased to be visible as the spot minimum drew near another peculiarity of the chromosphere denoting the remoteness of its character from that of a true atmosphere is the irregularity of its distribution over the sun's surface there are no signs of its bulging out at the equator as the laws of fluid equilibrium in a rotating mass would require but there are some that the fluctuations in its depth are connected with the phases of solar agitation at times of minimum it seems to accumulate and concentrate its activity at the poles while the maxima probably bring a more equable general distribution with local depressions at the base of great prominences and above spots the low-lying stratum of carbon vapor was in eighteen ninety seven detected in the chromosphere by professor hale with a grating spectroscope attached to the forty-inch yerkes refractor the eclipse photographs of eighteen ninety three disclosed to hartley's examination the presence of gallium and those taken by evershed in eighteen ninety eight were found by jewel to be crowded with ultraviolet lines of the equally rare metal scandium the general rule had been laid down by sir norman lockyer that the metallic radiations from the chromosphere were those enhanced in the electric spark hence the comparative study of conditions prevalent in the arc and the spark has acquired great importance in solar physics the reality of the appearance of violent disturbance presented by the flaming kind of prominence can be tested in a very remarkable manner christian doppler professor of mathematics at prague enounced in eighteen forty two the theorem that the color of a luminous body like the pitch of a sonorous body must be changed by movements of approach or recession 
the reason is this both color and pitch are physiological effects depending not upon absolute wavelength but upon the number of waves entering the eye or ear in a given interval of time and this number it is easy to see must be increased if the source of light or sound is diminishing at distance and diminished if it is decreasing it in the one case the vibrating body pursues and crowds together the waves emanating from it in the other it retreats from them and so lengthens out the space covered by an identical number the principle may be thus illustrated suppose shots to be fired at a target at fixed intervals of time if the marksman advances say twenty paces between each discharge of his rifle it is evident that the shots will fall faster on the target than if he stood still if on the contrary he retires by the same amount they will strike at correspondingly longer intervals the result will of course be the same whether the target or the marksman be in movement so far doppler was altogether right as regards sound anyone can convince himself that the effect he predicted is a real one by listening to the alternate shrilling and sinking of the steam whistle when an express train rushes through a station but in applying this principle to the colors of stars he went widely astray for he omitted from consideration the double range of invisible vibrations which partake of and to the eye exactly compensate changes of refrangibility in the visible rays there is then no possibility of finding a criterion of velocity in the hue of bodies shining like the sun and stars with continuous light the entire spectrum is slightly shifted up or down in the scale of refrangibility certain rays normally visible become exalted or degraded as the case may be into invisibility and certain other rays at the opposite end undergo the converse process but the sum total of impressions on the retina continues the same we are not however without the means of measuring this subsensible transportation of the light gamut once more the wonderful fraunhofer lines came to the rescue they are called by the earlier physicists fixed lines but it is just because they are not fixed that in this instance we find them useful they share and in sharing betray the general shift of the spectrum this aspect of doppler's principle was adverted to by frizu in eighteen forty eight and the first tangible results in the estimation of movements of approach and recession between the earth and the stars were communicated by sir william huggins to the royal society april twenty third eighteen sixty eight eighteen months later zollner devised his reversion spectroscope for doubling the measurable effects of line displacements aided by which ingenious instrument and following a suggestion of its inventor professor h c vogel succeeded at both comp june ninth eighteen seventy one in detecting effects of that nature due to the solar rotation this application constitutes at once the test and the triumph of the method the eastern edge of the sun is continually moving towards us with an equatorial speed of about a mile and a quarter per second the western edge retreating at the same rate the displacements toward the violet on the east towards the red on the west corresponding to this velocity are very small so small that it seems hardly credible that they should have been laid bare to perception they amount to but one one hundred and fiftieth part of the interval between the two constituents of the d-line of sodium and the d-line of sodium itself 
can be separated into a pair only by a powerful spectroscope nevertheless professor young was able to show quite satisfactorily in eighteen seventy six not only deviations in the solar lines from their proper places indicating a velocity of rotation one point four two miles per second slightly in excess of that given by observations of spots but the exemption of terrestrial lines those produced by absorption in the earth's atmosphere from the general push upwards or downwards shortly afterwards professor langley then director of the allegheny observatory having devised a means of comparing with great accuracy light from different portions of the sun's disk found while the obscure rays in two juxtaposed spectra derived from the solar poles were absolutely continuous no sooner was the instrument rotated through ninety degrees so as to bring its luminous supplies from opposite extremities of the equator than the same rays became perceptibly notched the telluric lines meanwhile remained unaffected so as to become virtually mapped by the process this rapid and unfailing mode of distinction was used by cornu with perfect ease during his investigation of atmospheric absorption near loirette in august and september eighteen eighty three a beautiful experiment of the same kind was performed by m tholon of m biskopsheim's observatory at nice in the summer of eighteen eighty he confined his attention to one delicately defined group of four lines in the orange of which the inner part are solar that is iron and the outer terrestrial at the centre of the sun the intervals separating them were sensibly equal but when the light was taken alternately from the right and left limbs a relative shift in alternate directions of the solar towards and from the stationary telluric rays became apparent a parallel observation was made at dunnet december fourteenth eighteen eighty three when it was noticed that a strong iron line in the yellow part of the solar spectrum is permanently double on the sun's eastern but single on his western limb opposite motion displacements bringing about this curious effect of coincidence with and separation from an adjacent stationary line of our own atmosphere's production according as the spectrum is derived from the retreating or advancing margin of the solar globe statements of facts so precise and authoritative amount to a demonstration that results of this kind are worthy of confidence and they already occupy an important place among astronomical data the subtle method of which they served to assure the validity was employed in eighteen eighty seven to eighty nine by m Donner to test and extend carrington's and sporer's conclusions as to the anomalous nature of the sun's axial movement his observations for the purpose made with a fine diffraction spectroscope just then mounted at the observatory of Uppsala, were published in eighteen ninety one their upshot was to confirm and widen the law of retardation with increasing latitude derived from the progressive motions of spots determinations made within fifteen degrees of the pole consequently far beyond the region of spots gave a rotation period of thirty eight and a half that of the equatorial belt being of twenty five and a half days spots near the equator indeed complete their rounds in a period shorter by at least half a day and the proportionate differences were found to exist elsewhere in corresponding latitudes but dunyer's observations it must be remembered apply to a distinct part of the complex solar machine from the disturbed photospheric surface 
it is amply possible that the absorptive strata producing the fraunhofer lines significant by their varying displacements at either limb of the inferred varying rates of rotation may gyrate more slowly than the spot generating level moreover faculi appear to move at a quicker pace than either so that we have for three solar formations three different periods of average rotation the shortest of which belongs to the faculi one of the intermediate length to the spots and the most protracted to the reversing layer all however agree in lengthening progressively from the equator towards the poles professor holden aptly compared the sun to a vast whirlpool where the velocities of rotation depend not only on the situation of the rotating masses as to latitude but also as to depth beneath the exterior surface sir norman lockyer promptly perceived the applicability of the surprising discovery of line shiftings through end on motion to the study of prominences the discontinuous light of which affords precisely the same means of detecting movement without seeming change of place as do lines of absorption in a continuous spectrum indeed his observations at the sun's edge almost compel recourse to an explanation made available just when the need of it began to be felt he saw bright lines not merely pushed aside from their normal places by a barely perceptible amount but bent torn broken as if by the stress of some tremendous violence these remarkable appearances were quite simply interpreted as the effects of movements varying in amount and direction in the different parts of the extensive mass of incandescent vapors falling within a single field of view very commonly they are of a cyclonic character the opposite distortions of the same colored rays betray the fury of counter gales rushing along at the rate of one hundred and twenty miles a second while their undisturbed sections prove the persistence of a heart of peace in the midst of that unimaginable fiery whirlwind velocities up to two hundred and fifty miles a second or fifteen thousand times that of an express train at the top of its speed were thus observed by young during his trip to mount sherman august second eighteen seventy two and these were actually doubled in an extraordinary outburst observed by father jules fenny on june seventeenth eighteen ninety one at the hainald observatory in hungary as well as by monsieur Trouvelot at moudon motions ascertainable in this way near the limb are of course horizontal as regards the sun's surface the analogies they present might accordingly be styled meteorological rather than volcanic but vertical displacements on a scale no less stupendous can also be shown to exist observations of the spectra of spots centrally situated where motions in the line of sight are vertical disclose the progress of violent uprushes and downrushes of ignited gases for the most part in the penumbral or outlying districts they appear to be occasioned by fitful and irregular disturbances and have none of the systematic quality which would be required for the elucidation of sunspot theories indeed they almost certainly take place at a great height above the actual openings in the photosphere End of chapter four part one